Hello everyone and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock and this is the big introduction we've all been waiting for, folks. Colin Doyle, the new co-host of the program, is here with me. We're going to uh, get you all caught up on everything that's gone on over the first couple of weeks uh, with Toronto Rock. But Colin, first of all, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot for uh, making some time for myself and of course for all of our listeners out there and the Toronto Rock fans in general. Very much looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. I'm always looking for somewhere to sound off and uh, give my unwanted opinion. So this is as good a spot as any to start. <laughs> hey, like, for anybody who knows you a little bit, I think they're probably pretty excited to be dialed into this, to hear what you have to say, because we'll, we'll always, as we go along, we might have to, you know, like we might have to clip a few things here and edit a couple things uh, in or out, uh, so to speak. But I think uh, for the most part, we're going to do our best to let things fly and uh, give some honest and frank opinions about uh, what's going on in the league and, and just how things are going. So um, let's start with Friday night and uh, the Georgia Swarm and the Toronto Rock, a game in which, of course, the Rock lost by a goal. It's another one where the Rock obviously have struggled for whatever reason to get over that hump against the Georgia Swarm. And we'll talk about this uh, at length, obviously, throughout the podcast. But one thing that keeps popping into my head about all this is that Sometimes I feel like you need that opponent to be successful in the end. You need you need that team to beat that's going to be a challenge, that's going to always be on the locker room wall, so to speak, that you're always going to want to chase down, um, especially, I think, when you're learning to win, if this makes any sense. It makes sense, but I think ultimately you, you have to have that team, but then you have to beat them. You do. And, and you this do. is... This is going on three years now, better part of three years, yeah. where they haven't been able to beat them. And I think they had them in the Eastern Final two years ago. And then last year, I believe, lost three important one-goal games that likely could have vaulted them into second place rather than missing out on the playoffs. But, you know, they're not a team that you're looking to sweep every year. But had they been able to grab a couple of those games last year, they're in the playoffs. Had they been able to beat them when it mattered two years ago, they're in the Eastern Conference now. It's hard to say if they're actually better or if they've ever actually been better. So maybe the better team did win all those games, and we don't know that. But I'm looking at it this year. I look at it, and I say uh, the Rock are every bit as good as that team. And this needs to be the year where they need to figure out a way to beat them. Simple as that. And, you know, to your point, it's good to have a team that pushes you. They, you know, they were the champs, and they've won a better part of these Eastern Conference championships over the last few years. So they certainly are that team. But, uh, you know, the Rock are at a point now where they just got to stop saying – yeah, we just can't find a way to beat that team. And moving on, they got to do something different or do something better and beat them. And that is being frank. That's the way it's going to be. Um, I would suspect that they would be at the top of the Eastern Conference again this year. They're a very good team. I like their makeup, and um, they're not going to be easy to beat. But, you know, the Rock have got to get over that hump. So, however that has to happen, it's got to happen. How many times do they have them again this year? There's still three three games. Another one coming up here in just a couple of weeks on January 18th. So, but uh, a couple things to draw out of what you just said there was, uh, you know, the three meetings last year. The way things were so tight in the East Division last year, had the Rock won two out of three of those head-to-head meetings, two of those games were one-goal games. One was in overtime. Uh, you know, two of those losses during that stretch came when Schreiber was out of the lineup as well in the one-goal game. You think? Maybe he could have been the difference uh, literally in that game. But they win two of those head-to-head matchups. 
The Rock end up first in the East Division in the regular season. So they go from out of the playoffs at 8-10. and 10. If they win two of those games, they go to first at 10-8 and eight because they would have won the tiebreaker with Rochester. So, I mean, to say that, again, this is the team that they need to get by is, you know, maybe the understatement of the year here already. And it's funny because on Twitter and through some of the Swarm marketing, they've used the hashtag SetTheBar. And it is kind of funny that, you know, I think a lot of people really early in the season are already looking at them as probably the favorites again in the East and whatnot. And like you're saying, you know, that they've established what it is to be probably the best team in the East. And it's just funny they're using that through their marketing. But, you know, what is it that you think the Toronto Rock need to do to beat them right now? Because, you know, you look at Friday night's game and I don't think the Rock did a lot wrong but still came out on the wrong end of things. And when you have one of, or arguably, you know, the best player in the world in Lyle Thompson, which we'll get into later in the show, one of my uh, topics I want to hit on here. But, you know, that's the guy. He's got the ball on his stick. End of the game. You know, you yourself have been in that situation where you're the guy expected to deliver at those prime moments in a game, and that's what he did on Friday night. So how do you beat that team? How do you beat that guy? Well, that's not only what he did Friday night. He does that every night. He is something special. So let's tip our cap to Lyle right away. He is, if not, you know, I have a soft spot for Matthews in Saskatchewan, but I think him and Lyle are far and away the two best offensive players in this game. Um, and I say that because of their skill set, but I say that because if you look at a fourth, uh, fourth quarter stat sheet, when the chips are down, both those guys – either do it themselves or they find a way to get somebody involved to get it done. It's pretty impressive. So he was outstanding. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to be the coach, but you know, I, I'm not sure at the end of the game, there were some things where I was a bit confused as to why the rock would shoot it with 45 seconds ago to rush a shot off. I understand why teams are doing that now. And it seems to be a real sticking point with teams, but I don't get it because you rush a shot, you get your offensive guys kind of caught in between. Well, let's break that before you get too far. Let's break that down for people at home. The, the two for one situation, as it's often called, right? Where you're trying to get off a shot in that probably 45 to 50 second left in a quarter range so that, you know, you're hoping that you're going to be the team that ends up getting the last shot. And like you're saying, and I find in the summer it's gotten really bad. Like teams are married to it. Like married. you see it everywhere at every level now. It's it's part of everyone's game plan, and it's great kind of when it works out. But you're also, I think, probably what you're trying to get at here is you're you're giving away what could maybe be a, a good shot in a few seconds of the rocks. You could you have that time to work towards a good shot still on that possession rather than just taking a shot. Yeah, I, I haven't been much for it. I, I got it when it was new, and, you know, you try to catch the team off guard and it would work, you know, here, there, and you'd get the last shot and you may win the game. But, you know, when number four is on the other team, and like I said, we rushed a shot. Instead of having a good look at it, I think of the Rocks' last seven possessions, I, I want to bet they had four or five really good scoring chances. And the one that comes off the top of my head is Jones underneath, gets stuffed by Poole, and that, that could have iced the game right there. And I, I know they had two or three other good chances. You know, for me – you know, I'd have gone after them and tried to get, grab the lead. Use a good 30-second lead, 14 on the clock, and live with it. But by shooting it quickly, they gave it away. And not only does it come off his pads, they, they kind of push in transition. And Lyle gets the ball kind of in the open floor. And, you know, the Rock weren't probably able to get their matchups, and they certainly weren't able to have any help over the top side because guys were scrambling to get on the floor. And I felt like, you know, if Lyle's going to beat you, 
you know, it can't be topside with no help and kind of a free reign to the middle of the floor where, you know, you know, it doesn't matter who's in net. He gets that shot off. He eight out of ten times he puts it in. So I don't know, I wasn't big on that, but the Rock played a great game and but you know, like I you know, you gotta nitpick when you're trying to defeat a team you can't beat. You gotta nitpick at things and you gotta look back at things and say, Well, how can we change it? How could we've gotten better? How could we finish them off? And I, I felt like maybe that was one situation. Power play at the start of the third quarter, I believe we had a five. Uh, I think maybe we got one late, but would have been a great opportunity. Kind of build some momentum there too, and they would have kind of been at your mercy because they couldn't can't get the guy out of the out of the box with a five minute penalty. And you you can really change the momentum in the game. So there were a few small things in the game where I thought the Rock certainly could have capitalized. But I think I'm nitpicking. They had a chance to win the game. Nick makes a great save um, on the on the penalty shot, and you feel like okay, well this could be it. And then you know of course bang bang and. Number four is all over the, the game sheet, and you're down a goal. And uh, so, it is what it is. Those guys in that room and the coaching staff know they gotta they gotta just work to get over that hump. And you don't get them right away again. You got to go back and beat Philly this week, and then move on from there. Now, strategy. While we're talking about it here in the the last minute of a game, you know, 23.2 seconds are on the clock. Lyle Thompson's just scored to put uh, George up 12-11 on the faceoff. Jay Thornbert wins a draw, but very aggressively, we'll say, right into the Rock bench. Um, in that situation, even on the draw, um, again, late game strategy-wise, generally speaking, would you pull your goalie in that situation to give you the extra guy to – I mean, you need the ball at that point, giving up a goal – you know, if they get the ball at that point, chances are you're, you're done anyway, right? Yep. If they put it in the empty net or not. You know, is that a situation where, you know, again, maybe if you're going from your general coach's playbook here, is that a situation where you pull the goalie and have six runners out there? I think so. Um, because, like you said, you lose the ball with under 20 to go anyway. The game's likely over. They've got good sticks out there. You're probably not going to get it back. Um, so, yeah, I would see – I would put the extra player out there, try to gain possession of the ball – you know, use your timeout. Now, I'm not sure. Did the Rock have a timeout left? Yes. So then, so. yeah, you use your timeout. You get your you get your six offensive. So yes, I think in that situation, 100. percent Now, you know, probably a lot of the other teams with with Jay in there, you're almost guaranteed the ball. But um, the one thing that I did take note of this game, and I don't think it reflected in the stats, but I felt like um, McIntosh did a really good job on him on the draw, and it wasn't nearly as one sided as as, uh, as it was in Buffalo the week before. And I know Jay's there to win faceoffs for them. And, uh, you know, I was impressed with McIntosh had a really good game, I thought, kind of winning them himself or at least making them 50-50 balls for his team. And I thought he was a really good player for them as well. He sometimes gets overlooked. And, you know, he's one guy that I circled to say he had a really good game for them and, you know, kind of kept the Rock at bay because I know in Buffalo when we got rolling, you know, unheard of in Rock territory, you'd get rolling you'd also have the ball the very next possession. And that was new to see, and I thought, wow, if this continues to work out where Jay can win the faceoffs after a two, three goal run, you know, those those make big they pay big dividends yep. as the year goes on and we've never really had that luxury. So I was impressed with that and I felt like uh, McIntosh kinda he stopped that momentum from happening in this game. So again, good job by him and uh, I think though if you keep your eye on this as the things go on and when our offense gets click and if they can have the ball back right right back again, you're gonna see them run some goalies out of town and uh those runs are tough to, to get back. So I look forward to that, but I thought McIntosh did a good job kind of squashing that. But back to your question, yes, I, I think I would have pulled my goalie. 
And on the topic of face-offs, I think it's been, uh, I think it's always quite a debate because, like you say, when you're when you're scoring or if you're getting scored on, obviously winning the face-off is a really easy way to either keep momentum or break it up. And I think over the years, it's been the philosophy of having a dominant face-off guy. Well, it's always like when you have one. It's great. You're like, well, this is what we need. When you don't have one, you kind of downplay the importance yeah. <laughs> of having a face-off guy, right? You're saying, well, then it's up for our defense to get the stop, and we're going to get the ball back anyways, right? Um, but what do you – like, I know you've already kind of touched on it about the the ability here, but I, I, I think, you know, even in the summer, this uh, – you know, the, the group here with the Oakville Rock is pretty much the same as with the Toronto Rock, and they saw a guy, Jake Withers, in Peterborough just – Kind of it was the same thing, like with the Oakville Rock this summer and how they saw, you know, uh, I think that dominance really by Peterborough was, you know, they'd score a goal and right away they had the ball back. Like there was no questions asked because Withers, I think, you know, you know, I don't think I'm letting a cat out of the bag here, but it's definitely the best face-off guy in the world right now. So, you know, you look at that and look at what Jay Thornburg now can bring, and even even to spot Brad Cree in there once in a while, but that's going to make Brad Cree, I think, a better defender, that he doesn't have to go through those face-off battles, and he's just going to have a little more gas in the tank maybe at those key times later in the, in the game. But, um, you know, this uh, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think Jay Thornburg could really give the Rock a bit of a, a new look really here and a new uh new mo a little bit in game sometimes with him being able to dominate faceoffs. i think a great faceoff man on a good lacrosse team makes the all the difference in the world i think a great look great draw man on an average or below average lacrosse team i think it's irrelevant you know if you look past at our championships you know we never had a draw man i don't think ever and we managed and you know we had some come and go that could go 50 or 60 percent but that's on the high end um, but we had really good loose ball guys, but we didn't get the ball on runs like that. We still managed to win. It, it, we came, we were, you know, we registered to that philosophy. Oh, it doesn't matter. We'll go out and get the ball with our group of five. Um, but, d- man, when you do get one, I think you can see the difference it makes. And like you said in the summer there with Withers, um, and probably no different here in the NLL with him. I mean, when, when you have the ball, you have more chances to score. And, you know, thank goodness our sport isn't into the analytics yet, you know, to that degree. But I would suspect that would be the first thing to jump off the sheet to somebody who does numbers. Obviously, if you have the ball more, you can score more. Yeah. So I think it's unavoidable, and I think having Jay here, you know, quietly will be one of the best things to happen to this team. If his if his job is to get 60-plus percent of the ball, I think it'll make a big difference because, our you know, our one of our strong suits of this team will be our offense as, as things get going. So – you just keep giving them the ball, and I think we can start to outscore some teams. So, yeah, I think uh, – I, I don't know. I, I think it's great to have a good draw, man. But, you know, I've been on teams that didn't, and we still managed to win. So your your philosophy has to kind of bend to what you have. Yep. You can't say, well, geez, I love having a great draw guy when you don't. Yep. <laughs> you know, you just – you kind of – you make do with what you got, and you kind of preach that philosophy, whatever whatever it is. So having Jay here I think is something new for this organization and something that I think is going to help in the long run big time. And like you said – the most important thing of it all is to have Brad Cree fresh. You know, Brad's a great defender on this team, and he's going to have to be a shutdown guy, somebody who's physical. And, man, if he's out there mucking for the ball every face-off, just – and, you know, he'll be the first to tell you he's no face-off, man. He just happens to be strong and relentless and yeah. has relentless pursuit, but it wears him out. So to have him avoid that, you know, I think it's it's going to pay big. And then maybe down in the end of a game when Jay is tired, you know, Brad will win you one when he's fresh. So – all positives, and I think things that will really help the Rock. But, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think 
it won't hurt us at all. Give that offense the ball more and more and more. Goaltending, uh, it's always uh, the debate around goaltending, I guess. It's, it's always going to be there forever. You look at game one, Nick Rose lets in 12 goals, and the Rock wins 17-12, and Rosie makes 52 saves on 64 shots, and, you know, he's he's a hero, <laughs> you know. And then he lets in the same number of goals the next week and, you know, faced – 10 last shots, let's say, uh, approximately. And, you know, you start to, you know, some of the fans obviously get on Rosie uh, pretty quick, right? And Let, let me let me cut you off there, and, and I, <laughs> we'll come back to your question yep. here. It never ceases to amaze me being in the crowd now and being around the fans. Man, they, they, <laughs> Rosie, I feel for you, brother. They, every fan in this – every fan of this team wants to put everything on Rosie, honest to God. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've seen him play games, you know, in, in the games that I've been to, and we'll lose – I think we lost 7-6 in overtime to New England or something last year, maybe 8-7, I can't remember. Best game I've seen him oh, play. Oh, yeah, yep. And, uh, you know, fans walk, oh, God, Rosie, man, why – why can't he get us that save? And I just like, he gave you 47 of them <laughs> yeah. to get us there. So he yeah. is up against it here for whatever reason. I don't know if it's like this with every franchise, having not been in the stands myself to experience it. But I, I for, for one reason or another, these fans want to, they want to really shoulder the blame on Rosie. And that's probably in part to trying to fill Whipper's shoes still. And this franchise was so lucky. It was such a good one. I have, a, you know, I don't think anything's ever going to do. But Although I'm often joking, you know, Whip won six championships here, and it's gonna the next guys have to win, gonna win seven uh, until they're okay with the guy who's in there. That's right. Like, so, so Rosie better get to work because <laughs> he's got some championships to win. To win, but I think if they could win one, it would just get Rosie one to help him start yeah. to get over this this little hill he's got. But he was good. Uh, you know, he was good in Buffalo. He had a he had a slow start, but he dug back in and he got him a save every time he needed it. And I felt like he was the exact same way this week. He didn't get outplayed by Poulin on the other side, but Poulin as well was outstanding. And like I said, a, a good goalie in this league, I mean, you, know, you go out to Vancouver and some other places that have had some goaltending issues over the last four years and, and go ask those fans what, what bad goaltending looks like yeah. with all due respect to whoever was there. But we got a good here. He's been good for us. But, you know, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but they jump on him. Everybody, our fans jump on him so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was kind of getting towards was just the the matchup on, on Friday night was I didn't think either team, you know, either team's goalie won or lost in the game, but both goalies gave their team a chance to win kind of thing. And is that, you know, as a player in front of those guys, is that all you really ask for really most nights? It's just that performance that, especially in the sport of lacrosse, because I think that's where some people, I, I guess, have a little bit of that crossover between hockey where, you know, you're expecting a goalie in hockey to let in one or two goals, and that's it. And when you see a guy, you know, the fans who aren't as well-versed in the game perhaps, that, you know, you see a guy let in 11 and a lot of people and teams are saying, our guy was real good tonight. And people just can't wrap their heads around it. For whatever reason, they just – but he let in 11 goals. Like, how is that good? Well, welcome to the yeah. – <laughs> Strap the pads on sometime yeah. and try it yourself. I don't know. I don't think the fans are any – we've got an educated fan base. We have for yeah. some time. And I, I, I still think it's just indicative of, of him not being Whipper. And that is – really it now as as the fan base turns over and you start to take on 
you know, kids of the fans that the parents that were yep. Whipper fans. I think you'll slowly see a change because I think, you know, Nick has a friendly personality. A lot of the younger kids, you know, really look up to him and love him. He spends yep. a lot of time with them. He he puts his time in, and I think he's done a good job trying to win this fan base over. But until the, until he wins a championship, he, he may be up against it, and so be it. That's a reality that he should stare at stare at every day and say, "All right, well, I guess to do that, I got to win a championship." So, like I said, get to work. There's really no other two ways around it. So. Yeah. Um, what you want from your goalie in this league, and uh, I think you, you don't want teams to get on runs, and uh, you know three, two, three, four in a row, and those are like I said, they're hard to get back. And I thought you know Friday, uh, Mike Poolin at the other end really did a good job at that, snuffing out the chances where we we'd bang two, and he would not give us that third, and then they'd eventually come back and answer. Yeah, and it kind of settles everything, and, and you figure that out. So I think from your goalie, you want consistency, and you want you want him to be able to shut down those runs. I think those are the two things that I always wanted as a player. You wanted to be able to get the ball back in your stick, one more possession, one more possession. And that's where I felt like Rosie did that a lot in the fourth quarter on Absolutely. Friday night when it was 10-8. There was a series where the defense where Rosie was making the stop, and that gave the Rock that chance to get back to 10-10 and then eventually take that 11-10 lead. Was That's exactly what Rosie did. And then, unfortunately, at the end of the night. Last shot went in. Yeah. And that's the winner, and that's what people go home with. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, you're right. There was a seven, eight-minute stretch there where he shut it down. Yep. And he says, okay, keep taking the ball back. Get your chance to get us in this game. And that's the ebb and flow of this game. It's so much different than any other game in the world. It doesn't matter if you get stuffed seven times in a row as long as your team's doing the same thing. You you get 30 seconds, you're back out there again. That one goal, break it wide open, especially yep. in a game like that. And I think when Robbie finally took the lead, I mean, the roof came off the place. And then – but it didn't matter because all you got to do is get that next one, mm-hmm. and Georgia got it. And then they went rolling with a little bit of momentum and ended up cleaning up the game. Had we scored that next one, the game's over. Yep. So, you know, right till that final buzzer, you're always chasing that next goal, and that's where, that's where goaltending is so important because it doesn't matter if you give one up. You just can't give up that next one. Keep yeah. getting the ball back to your guys, and, you know, you'll get a chance to put it away. So I thought he was very good. And, and like I said, Mike was too at both ends, but the – the quality of lacrosse, the game itself, was super exciting from where I was sitting. Everybody got their money's worth. It's just disappointing that we got to go home with the loss. So hopefully that changes. But um, it was a very exciting game. And um, two very, very talented offenses and two fast defenses that took time and space away and created some great opportunities in transition. So, you know, look at the transition game. Like, who won the transition game? Uh, does one more goal at our back end kind of – put us over the top all those little things is what you look at now when you're going head-to-head with somebody who's so close with you so you know I don't know that we got a bunch I think uh Creighton Reed got one yep and that might have been it yeah they had Wiedemann Sellers yeah yeah so you lost you lost that battle I, th- I think we lost the power play battle but but not not by much I think we were two of four and they may have been three of five um, but I said that five minute it doesn't appear the same on the score sheet but you, I think Five-minute power plays in this league, getting the ball back every 30 seconds, you've got to bang two or three in. you just got to yeah. – you've got to – there's really no way around that because it's too big of a gap. you got a tired man down out there every time. And, in, you know, like I said, you're going to get five cracks at it. You've got to find a way to put two in. Yeah. Okay. Well, that'll uh, that'll wrap up our wrap-up of, uh, of the game on Friday night. We'll take a short break here, and we'll jump into our interviews on the podcast here today. We've got Jamie Dowick coming up next, Challen Rogers uh, shortly after that. But let's take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access, and we'll be back with Jamie Dowick.
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with uh, the new man in the number two chair, Colin Doyle. And we're welcoming in the studio now our first guest of the new season, Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, Jamie Dowick. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm good, guys. How are you doing? Not too bad. This is uh, Colin's first interview. So maybe I should let you... Would you like to ask the first question in your first interview or do you want to... Yeah, I can ask the first okay, question. Thanks sure. for having me on board, right. Mike. This is a real special seat. <laughs> it's reserved for special people. That's good. All right. We'll do the best we can here. Uh, Jamie, I'll just kick things off real simple. Uh, how did you feel the vibe was on Friday night, uh, being the home opener and all, and um, you know, with the whole with the uh, the labor negotiations and a bit of a hiccup getting things started? Did you think it affected anything? Because I myself did not. No, I thought the vibe was awesome. Uh, crowd was great. Um, you know, I, I was hoping. We, we could get to the 10,000 number. That time of the year has always been tough. I, I don't think the for us the labor thing had anything to do with it. That was our home opener all along. It was more uh, timing of the year, I think, question mark. But I, I think it, it was great. I was, the place was bumping. Um, I, you know, I'm sure the boys were happy to be home and and after being in Bandit Land earlier. And uh, it was it was a great crowd to kick off the start of the season. Now, what did you think about how the game itself progressed? Uh, you know, an early lead, obviously, a quick two goals out of the gate in the first uh, few minutes of the game, but then really for most of the rest of the night until well into the fourth quarter, the Rock were kind of chasing the game and were never able to get a lead. Um, maybe just talk about just how you thought the flow of the game went in general and uh, why the team was maybe never really able to get a leg up as the night went on. Yeah, well, we just uh, we didn't. It was a typical game with those guys over the last few years, and we didn't take advantage of opportunities that we had along the way. And uh, you know, mistakes end up in your net, and you know we know those are going to be tight games, and so every every mistake you make that ends up in your net, or every every opportunity you don't take advantage of, uh, you know, they come back to bite you. And and uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was an all right. You know, it was a good lacrosse game. Um, obviously not not happy with the result, but I, I thought it was a pretty good game. But yeah, too many too many mistakes and and not taking advantage of, of too you know too many chances. This is a team uh, being in your conference. It's a team you're going to have to learn how to beat um, if you want to achieve obviously any of the goals that your team I'm sure has set out to do. Uh, it's been a bit of a rough patch with them. Um, what do you see having a change to beat these guys? They are the class of the of the Eastern Division. They have been for some time. Uh, totally in a position to you know to have that game. I felt like on Friday, uh, your time will come. But what do you think has to happen to get you over that hump? Well, I mean, we, we've got to first and foremost, we got to beat them. Uh, you know, we got to do a better job containing. You know, Lyle would be a guy. I think Lyle's been a guy that's burnt us over the last few years. Um, you know they got a lot of weapons on their team, but I would say for the most part he's been the, he's been the guy. You know him, maybe Randy a little bit too. Um, you know that we, we've just got to be more aware of where those guys are. They seem to kill us all the time, and when it matters, you know, um, you know we had opportunities to win that game late, and, and you know we just didn't get it done. Um, you know, and then they in turn have an opportunity to win it late, and, and they do get it done. So. You know, we, we need our guys to step up when they get those opportunities. And, and it's, you know, the margin of victory, especially against a good team. And we view them as a good team and one of the best teams in our division, I'm sure. Um, you know, margin so slim. So, um, you know, I think that's really. 
Now, Doyle, you can even chime in on this a little bit, but I wanted to talk about a couple of guys. Uh, first of all, Challen Rogers in kind of a new role, being the captain of the team. Um, you know, Colin, you've obviously been through that uh, the first time you put the C on and how you felt. But, Jamie, maybe start with you and just uh, talk a little bit about what you thought of Challen's game and uh, first game at home with the with the C on his jersey. Yeah, um, you know, Chow, hey, listen, Chow, Chow, it's a, it is a huge honor to wear the the C for the Toronto Rock, in, in my opinion. And uh, first and foremost, I'd like to say, uh, Chow, Chow's the perfect guy to do that with this team. This is, you know, yes, he's a young guy, but, you know, as we've all been, the three of us have been around him a lot since he's been here. Um, you know, he's, he's more than capable and, and the perfect guy to be the captain of this team. So, you know, uh, Chow, I know Chalmers got a lot more than he showed the home crowd on, uh, you know, opening night, and he probably felt a little bit of jitters out there being the captain. Colin could comment more on that, being the first time running out and being introduced as that. But, um, you know, I, I, I thought Chow, Chow was, it looked a little nervous to me out there. and, and um, But, I, but hey, listen, I, I know what he's all about, and uh, I, I expect he'll have a big bounce-back performance this week. And, and not to, I'm not taking a shot that his game was bad, but, you know, we've all become to expect, you know, heroic things out of him yeah, game in, game out. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Colin? You? Well, one of the reasons he is a captain is he doesn't have off nights. So that, yeah. you know, even speaking to that, I guess, tells us that, you know, he was a little anxious. But uh, I didn't see it. I didn't think he was that bad. I think he's going to be a great captain for this team. Uh, you know, on the floor and beyond, I think he's someone the fans will be able to relate to. And I think he understands what it takes to get this team to the next level. And I think he's going to be focused on doing that and taking, you know, the 23 guys that are part of this group and getting them over this hump. And one of the humps now right now is this Georgia team. And I think, you know, you got to bear down and focus. And like Jamie said, find a way to win that game next time we've got them. So um, he's going to be a great captain. There could have been so many good choices, and that's a good situation to have. And I think a lot of those guys were rewarded with A's and, um, I think they're going to be great moving forward, and I think Challen's the, the perfect uh, perfect face of this franchise. So I do see good things coming for him for sure, and uh, you know I look forward to watching it. And I think we'll, uh, Challen will also be a guest here on the podcast today, so we'll talk a little bit more uh, about that with him directly later on. The other guy I wanted to touch on, um, and really I guess just the left side in general, is you know Johnny Paulus stepping in. Uh, scored a couple goals in the opener, scored again uh, against Georgia on Friday night, but just how you see him fitting in. Um, and just maybe a little bit more on the left side in general. Adam Jones struggled a little bit out there. Um, it seemed like he was taking a little bit longer to get his shot off on Friday night than what we usually see from Jonesy. But uh, talk about Johnny Palace and, and how he fits into everything on that left side and, and what you saw from him so far. Well, Johnny's been, Johnny's been a great addition. Um, unfortunately, when Reader went down in the in the summer, um, it created an opening here in Toronto. And Johnny's been a guy who I've, you know, I've always liked this game. He just seems to fit in wherever he is, and and he can play his part, and he can be part on a championship team. I know Collins won a few with him in the summer, and he's just he's a great teammate. He's he played for us uh, in the summer here, so we got to know him a little bit, and uh, I, I expect Johnny to have a big year and. You know he doesn't need the line, the spotlight or the ball all the time. He'll just he'll just show up and do his job and and uh, you know he'll he'll be a big addition for us on the left hand side for sure. I would uh, I would agree to that. I think 
Somebody like John, you can't have enough guys like that. I think he'll show up when it matters the most, and I think he'll make the offense tick, especially on that left side. He'll find his way with, with the other lefties and, and finding out what, what makes them good and what they need to be great, and he can do it all. That's a nice thing about Johnny, and I'm sure it'll take him a bit to find his way with the new group, but um, you know he's won a lot. He understands what it takes to win, and like I said, he'll find a way to get the best out of the other lefties out there, and everybody will benefit when that offense is going. I think we all think, or we all agree, that the Rock is the most dangerous, so there's nothing negative about having Johnny Palace on your team at all, but he'll, he'll find his way, and he'll just keep getting better and better. Well, let's look ahead to Friday night's matchup against Philadelphia Wings. Uh, there was kind of a funny clip, I think, that came across on Twitter with uh, Kurt Malowski, you know, saying... You know, don't label San Diego an expansion team because, you know, this is an NLL roster over there. And, you know, the uh, the East Coast uh, expansion club, of course, is the Philadelphia Wings that we'll see on Friday night at Scotiabank Arena. But, uh, you know, is that kind of the same message that you have to deliver a little bit here is that this is an NLL roster. You can't take them lightly because I look at the Buffalo Philly game and it almost seemed like things came too easy early for the bandits in that game and then the wings kind of crept back in and it ended up being uh quite a lacrosse game all the way to the end uh what's the message here going up and expand going up against an expansion team this week yeah i mean uh, really uh expansion whatever i don't care um you know you this this is like yeah this is a win every week league and you got to win every week and so they're on they're on the board this week um, I can guarantee him, you know, I can remember going into Vancouver with Brett Hickey a few times, and he loved to put it on them and put it on them for a couple six-goal games and, you know, and kind of reminded them all the time, um, you know, that they made a mistake and whatever. And I'm sure Brett's going to come in here with his team, and they're going to be, you know, motivated to put on a show and get their first win of the year. Um, so I don't care, expansion team, champion, whatever. Um you know we need to get back on track this week get a w two and one move on yeah i couldn't agree more they're next in line it doesn't matter who they are and uh you're at home and you're going to be fighting hopefully for the championship on the eastern side and you're going to need these wins and you know they're dangerous not only because they're an expansion team but because they are hungry to get that first win and they'll have some familiar faces back in toronto playing at home so to speak and the same goals it's the same old story with toronto all the time you, you don't get a night off here and uh, I, I don't suspect this will be any different. Uh, you know, whatever the matchup is on paper, it won't really matter this early in the year. You got to have you got to have your guys ready to play because they're they're going to give you a game. Um, and just sorry to to chat a little bit about the the lineup and whatnot here. Are we going to see any changes this week? Uh, I know the tendency sometimes has been in the past to make a little tweak here or there uh, after a loss. Uh, is, do you think we're going to see anything different here uh, come Friday night? Um, to be honest with you, I, don't, I haven't spoken to the guys in a few days with the holidays and everything, right. so everyone's been away. So we're not practicing till Thursday night this week, so I haven't even spoke to Maddie in a few days. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, I think you're pretty well seeing our, our opening day lineup. Um, you know, we got Brock back last week. So, um, you know, maybe. I really don't know what to expect. I'll, I'll guess no, but um, we'll find out. Mike, is there something I'm missing? That is this a GM's decision now, or is it not the coach's yeah. decision anymore? <laughs> a little mixed up here. Well, I believe sometimes there's some conversations that happen, oh. isn't there? Not over the holidays, apparently. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Maddie's busy boy. He, right. Everyone's yeah. busy. Everyone's been busy. Uh, you know, listen, those guys, those guys will give me, you know, as soon as I talk to them, I'll hear the plan and and uh, when we go with that. All right. Enough said, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Don't talk over the holidays. I'm good with that. <laughs> we didn't talk over the holidays, did no, we? No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Did Not much to talk about. No, I'm sure. Yeah. Did you do anything fun over the holidays? What did you get into? Um, well, I got up to Collingwood for a few days with the family there. Yeah. A nice little break. Uh, Ski or snowboard? I, I did some skiing this time. I think one of the kids actually took my snowboard. So, And I, and I also said I, I didn't really want to go out and bail a few times over the course of the day and do anything stupid. So uh, skiing was good. Weather was – I went when it was warm, nice snow. Yeah. Yeah, you don't ski when it's cold anymore, no, right? No, no. The kids do, but no. As you get older, I find the temperature has to uh, be warmer to get me out on the hill. And that was what I said. I said, it's such a nice day. If I don't go skiing today, I probably won't go all year. <laughs> Fair enough. There you go. Uh, public congratulations to you. I'm winning the uh, Toronto Rock Office Fantasy Football Pool as well. Thank you very much. Um, great great battle with you in the, in the final. <laughs> um battle to see who had less on their plate this fall i guess eh? who had more time whoa it's not how fantasy football well, works I, I just i just did really well at the draft and, and rode my ponies to victory so uh that's fantasy football i'm shifted to the raw uh we're, we were in nll season here now a fantasy football thank you that was great let's go if we win one here then then we have something to celebrate you got some great fantasy players on this roster. If I were playing fantasy NLL, I'd have them loaded up with this with this here offense. Fantasy NLL could be. I, I've always said this. It could be really, really good. Mike, who would your first pick be in fantasy NLL off the Toronto Rock? Off the Toronto Rock. Well, I, I guess it depends. Like, how is it all gonna? How is it all gonna shake down? Is it? I would imagine goals, goals, assists, points, loose nothing balls. Nothing else is gonna factor into this. Like, no. I don't know. Goals, assists, loose balls. Well. I mean, I'd have to take then. Well, I guess it's either Schreiber or Hellier. I guess I take the other. So I get third pick. <laughs> yeah. Who are you taking third then? You don't know. Uh, what's the goalie situation there? Good point. Yeah. Challenge out of the back end. There you go. Cost well, turnovers you probably got to be worth about five or ten, right? Five yeah. points of cost turnover. Yeah. I'm, I'm fantasy lacrosse. I've always said that from. I always think it'd be really entertaining. Like I know they had it briefly and whatever. Yeah. It wasn't the right setup, but if you had the right, I think a, like a head-to-head six-person league, right. you know, where you see so you all have decent teams, maybe play six guys type deal. It'd be a lot, it'd be a yeah. lot of fun. The way Hostrauser's rolling right now, it's certainly late, late in the draft. <laughs> a goal or two every other game. Fight, Not too much to ask. Yeah. worth 20. The fives? A knockout. worth 20. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we'll wrap up on that note. Uh, Jamie, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, good luck, obviously, Friday night. Enjoy the rest of the week, and uh, we will chat again soon. Right on. Thanks, guys. All right. That was Toronto Rock owner, president, and general manager, Jamie Dowick. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and be back with more in just a moment.
Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with Colin Doyle, new co-host this year. And uh, Doyle is doing a great job so far, I have to say. Uh, we're welcoming in uh, our first, our second guest, sorry, on the program today, Challen Rogers, new captain of the Toronto Rock, who, uh, you know, there's one burning question out there that everybody <laughs> wants to know is, how does it feel to be the captain of the Toronto Rock? Unbelievable. Um you know, it's it's one of those things that I didn't dream of or, you know, I didn't expect to happen and having it happen, uh, you know, a dream come true. Did you dream of being the captain of the Vancouver franchise or? <laughs> no. No? no. <laughs> I mean, watching one on the floor growing up a lot, um, you know, I kind of got familiar with the Rock organization, I guess, and, um, you know, they were probably, I mean, I had season tickets to the Ravens, but, um, you know, Toronto Rock was the number one. Wow. West Coast kid, I like it. So was that, you say that was war on the floor, the TV, or the whole thing? Like, what was it that uh, made you a Toronto Rock, or just because it was lacrosse? Like, what was it? Uh, well, I mean, they were winning. Um, yeah. War on the floor, obviously. I watched that way too many times. <laughs> um, and, yeah, it was probably the Rock were, were on TV probably the most, so you got to see them the most when they were on TV. Well, let me let me cut you off there, Chal, and if you've seen War on the Floor as many times as you say you have, how would you rate Pat Coyle's co-hosting abilities out of 10? Because <laughs> <laughs> I know Pat, at the you know, he was proud as punch of his uh, hosting ability on that show. I thought he did a good job. I would have had him around a 7. I think he had himself around a 9.5. Where would you have him? <laughs> you know, I'll go in the middle with an 8.25. you gotta pr- you got to protect it because Pat coached you, didn't he? Yeah. Well, actually, when we... Uh, when we went to Alberta, we took a bus, um, <clears throat> and this is my last year junior when Pat was our coach, and uh, we, I think we surprised him. We played it on the way up, and he was not thrilled. Really? I, I'm surprised. <laughs> he might have been telling you that, but I know Patty like I know Patty. He really enjoyed getting big words out at all the most opportune <laughs> times. So, you know, I still remember, Pat, you did a great job, bud. You, you challenge you at an eight. I got you a seven plus, so eight. Well, how about in his little uh, – hit reel there how many of those hits he would have been suspended for all of them yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey but hey better question how many of those guys never went through the middle again the iron curtain of the toronto rock defense <laughs> patty was he was one of the best there's no doubt about that um you know looking back at those generations so i know you had uh, pat as a coach did you have a favorite captain growing up um <clears throat> who i played with Sure, somebody that you took note of, maybe outside of the game, somebody that you watched a lot, or somebody that you had yourself. Like, who would you? And, and you're still in a, your young infant stages of your career, so it's hard to say. But have you been influenced by a captain in one way or the other, good or bad? Uh, yeah, I think <clears throat> I think you learn from from every single one I've had, and uh, you know, even just watching leaders on TV and how they uh, approach their individual game and and the media i guess um you know i can take a little bit from everyone that's good i uh I, I we were discussing this kind of internally before the podcast turned on and i i was saying you know how sometimes it's painful to hear the generic questions over and over and over <laughs> again so um you know we're i'm going to avoid those i bet you michael still lob a couple of those at you but i, I know do have I, a couple to lob. well yes. then i'll turn it over to mike and i'll think of a good question that's non-generic 
and uh, yeah, Mike, go ahead with. Well, some I know ones. we talked a little bit before uh, the home opener just about what it was going to mean for you to run out of that tunnel the first time you were introduced as captain, and you said that your mom and and your grandma were coming into town for the game. So I kind of wanted to get some feedback on you know what you guys talked about as a family maybe after the game, and and I'm sure your mom and grandma may have shared a few words with you of what they felt when they saw you uh run out of the tunnel yeah uh mom cried i mean that's she's she's a big fan of crying um (laughs) but i mean she's just proud of me and so is my grandma and i'm just glad that i could uh share that experience with them have you felt any extra pressure on your shoulder in game um no i wouldn't say so uh i've just kind of gone out there and just played my game and just tried to be the best me i can be and just try to lead by example how bad did you want to hear your goal song on friday night (laughs) (laughs) there was a couple times i felt like he just ran up the floor and i was like he we're not letting the cat out of the bag yet as to what his goal song is but (laughs) was there ever like i gotta hear i want to hear my goal song uh, I mean, a little bit. if it gave us a chance to win, which, you know, at the <laughs> end right. of the day was the Mike, goal. See, I, now, as well, much as you well, hate the softball answers or the questions, he's, I feel like he's that's amusing a little you. bit of a... He's amusing you right now because I can promise you, not once during the game did he say, well, I hope I get a goal so I can hear my song. I can promise you that, Mike. He's amusing Zero you Zero percent. Right None. I've heard that song uh, quite a bit, All and right. I can just kind of hear okay. it whenever. I don't think... Jeez, I'm going to go grab one next shift just so I can hear that <laughs> tune. I don't know that that goes through. I a lot feel of like there's a guy out there who thinks that. I don't think that Somewhere. guy's challenging. Well, I'm, okay, there's lots right. of guys. Yeah. I imagine there's all lots right. of guys. I'd better not be the new captain of the Toronto Rock is all I'm saying. <laughs> now, okay, challenge when I, when I was captain of the Rock. and, and <laughs> You didn't have a goal song, and now you're pissed about it. No, okay. I could be all spiteful. Right. There was a, a $15,000 pay raise. You got your own hotel room and all the beer tickets. Is that still good? Uh, I don't know about that. I'll double check with Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> how's, that, how's that sound, Capper? <laughs> this will be the one and only podcast that Colin will be hosting this year, everybody. Uh, I will ask. Uh, I will ask one thing. Uh, do you set a different goal as the captain of the team? Do, do, does anything change? Because uh, for me, it didn't. You still had the same goals. You obviously just had to go about your business, you know, a little bit differently, but. Uh, you know, you're in charge now basically with taking this team to the promised land where I think you know, not only myself and Mike, but the, all the True Rock fans out there, we want to see another championship. And obviously that's kind of been sitting here for, for a little while now. So does your approach change or do you still kind of focus the same way as you would when you weren't the captain? Uh, you know, I, I think the end goal as a team obviously is make the playoffs and, and get a serious run in and hopefully host a trophy at the end of the end of the day um but I think just the preparation going into each game and um you know like I was saying before just being the best challenge I guess I can be um and you know hopefully hopefully the guys follow and and be the best they can be and hopefully all that strings together and we're the best team we can be so um you know the end goal doesn't change at all I'd I'd like to see some t-shirts around the arena next week be the best me I can be. I like that. That's good, Challen. That's good. <laughs> little piece of advice there for all you young folks listening to the podcast today. Be the best me I can be. And I like it. And nice little ring. Business, yeah. I guess, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, Podcaster, weird. t-shirt maker. Yeah. See? <laughs> Put that one on the shelf for now, but I'm going to come back with it. I like it. I did want to talk about uh, the other day you did post on, on social media, the New Balance Gives Back program. Um, 
maybe just a moment to to plug that a little bit and why you uh, chose to give back to where you did choose to. Yeah, uh, New Balance, uh, I think to all the their sponsored athletes gave them the opportunity to um, you know get shoes from them and and donate them to a charity that's uh, close to them or one that they found uh, a use for but um, <clears throat> the Halton women's place uh, it's it's for you know women and, and children who um, are in tough spots um, and you know just growing up with a single parent being my mother and uh, you know watching her um, raised me and and the great great job she did um, you know I just I just wanted to give back to to women and children who could be in a similar uh, spot as myself that's great John I, I wanted to you know give you a little bit of a platform to expand a little bit on that here on the podcast so uh, good on you and I think the new balance gives back program is great you know we see Lots of our players participating in that that are, uh, you know, sponsored athletes, like you said, and Tom Schreiber, and <clears throat> I think Kieran also did it this year too. So uh, it's uh, it's something great to see. Um, so back to on the floor here, uh, the Georgia Swarm, we've talked about it here on the, on the show a few times that this seems to be that team that uh, is, you know, I think we always talk about Buffalo being the biggest rival, but, you know, Georgia right now being at the top of the heap they are kind of becoming I think the biggest rival on that team that uh, the Rock has to get by in order to have success so how have you seen that kind of develop in your few years here and uh, maybe what is it about the Georgia Swarm that that make them as good as they are yeah I mean they've had a number the past few years and um, <clears throat> they're they're a high powered offense um you know i think in our our game on on friday we made a few mistakes that obviously ended up in the back of our net and at the end of the day we lose by a goal so um there's things that we can we can tinker with little changes and if we we make those changes then we should be good moving forward (laughs) (laughs) i really just came in no i got nothing well i got nothing i think we've we've we, we're all under the understanding now we need to find a way to beat them. Yeah. And we probably, you guys probably made a couple of mistakes here and there that cost you the game. And, you know, it's time to move on, get yep. the wings on tap. I think it's time, good time to ask Challen about the upcoming game. All May right. I? Yeah. Yeah. Let it rip. What do you see in the wings coming to town? What do you like about their team and where do you think they're going to give you a hard time? Uh, you know, their their offense is obviously they have guys that, um, you know, have established themselves in the NLL and, um, they obviously have a few rookies and guys trying to try to make a difference out there um, that might have not got the opportunity at a different place. So, you know, they're they're own two, but they're coming in obviously wanting to get their first win. And for a lot of them, this could be uh, in some ways a home game for them, and like it mostly is for a lot of other teams. But um, you know, I think uh, we're obviously we want a big bounce back after after losing our home opener, and we want to get that first win win at home. Good. What's it going to be like playing against Brad Hickey, a guy that, uh, you know, you went to battle with here for the first couple of years of your career and is now going to be somebody you uh, could be matched up against at times out there? Yeah, uh, you know, Hickey's a big guy with a great shot. And, um, you know, we've obviously played with one another for for the past three years, not only with The Rock, but in Oakville. And, um, you know, he knows us and we know him. So, um, you know, I'm excited for the matchup. That's good. Looking forward to seeing the game. I'm still excited to hear the goal song too, personally. But you can be ex- as excited <laughs> as you please. 
uh, just, you <laughs> know, the, hope we don't come to a point where <laughs> Challen is sitting on the bench waiting to hear it. It'll, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. Okay. Can't agree more. All right, Charlie. Well, uh, thanks a lot for uh, taking some time here. Good luck on Friday. Good luck. Uh, enjoy the preparation here leading up to the Wings on uh, Friday night. And lots of goal songs ahead. And uh, thanks for joining us here one, on the pod. One more quick question, oh, Charlie. Right. I'm going to cut you we off, Mike. I'm sorry. We'll wrap it up right there, folks. <laughs> We're going to have – One second. Colin's going to have a little take on these things once a week when we have players on board. I'm going to ask you, what was your favorite memory of playing minor lacrosse? Do you have one? Yeah, uh, I would say it would be winning uh, provincials my last year in midget. Where did you Where did you win it? We won it in Chilliwack. There you go. Yeah. For all you young laxers at home, I think it's important <laughs> to take heed to all these great experiences you have while playing the game when you're young. Don't ever forget that. I can remember mine vividly. And we're going to ask every player as they come along this year what their favorite memory is. Do you remember the score? Uh, yeah, 7-3. Did you get any? Hat-trick. There you go. Ooh. Did they have goal songs back then? Or? Uh, no, they didn't. Yeah, we, it, was, it was weird. We, we lost. So, obviously, growing up, we kind of had similar teams my minor and major year. Um, my minor year, we'd lose to New West in the final. And then my major year, we'd lose to Peninsula in the final. And my <clears throat> last year, midget, we, I think, let's say there's five round robin games. We lost four of them. And we just had to win the last one. And we won by like a goal or two. And then we just got hot and beat New West in the semis, like 4-3. And then final, we just, we came out odd. It was really all we needed, one game. Pardon my ignorance, who who's Peninsula? Uh, their team uh, on the island, Victoria. Nice. Near Victoria, yeah. That's great. I like it. What year was that? That would have been 2010. 2010. There you go. There you have it. Oh. Thanks, Joe. That's who else were you pl- who was on your team then? Any guys that made – any other guys that made pro? Um, hmm. Any other guys that made pro that you're talking about New West and whatnot that you were battling against? New West? Uh, Connor – no, Connor Levine. Yeah, Josh Byrne. Josh Byrne. Yeah. Hey, really? Grew up playing against him every single year. He's a New West guy? Yeah. Yeah, well, there you go. Rival. And then he goes to Buffalo and rival. another rival. Waiting yeah. for you again. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's good. That's a great story. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. There you go. Good stuff, Doily. Thank you, Mike. Excellent. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, we will now take a short break. Unless any other epiphanies here? Nah, no, no, no okay. we're good. All right, thanks, Jal. Uh, good luck Friday night, and we'll uh, we'll chat again soon. Thank you. All right, it's time for a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access. We'll be back to wrap up the show in a moment. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock along with Colin Doyle. We are here to wrap up episode number one. I think it's been a pretty darn good one so far. Um, Doyle, let's, uh, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is the best player in the world and how that's defined. And I feel like recently it's taken on a little bit of a different, different definition because, you know, Last year, I think a lot of people going into the season 
um, had anointed Tom Schreiber as the best player in the world because they were now factoring in field lacrosse and box lacrosse. And who is that guy? Who is the best player in the world, the best lacrosse player? Not the best box, not the best field, but just who is the best lacrosse player in the world. And we saw on Friday night in the Georgia Swarm a guy that I think is also at the center of that debate, Lyle Thompson fantastic NCAA career we see what he can do in the field game we see what he can do in the box game Mark Matthews the guy that you brought up earlier in the show that uh, is definitely also in that conversation also accomplished outdoors and one of if not again the best indoors so do you think that the debate should be divided first of all and I guess maybe just what goes into figuring out who the best player in the world is I don't like the debate, to be honest with you, because there are too many variables. I mean, you can pick a defenseman who can dictate the pace of a game. Kyle Rubich did it for years. Now, I don't think he was the best player in the world, but he changed, altered, you know, how you played. And that's a hard thing to do as a defenseman, but he did it well. Hosack, you know, was kind of disrupting things at the same level. Um, you know, and Pat Coyle is one guy that we could speak of way back in the day that could single-handedly take a player away from the game. So, I, you know, I don't love the debate. If you gave me a set of rules, I could probably tell you who who my top three were. But I'll do it two. I'll do it for you the two ways that I like the most. And I think it is who would you pay to see? I think I like that argument. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, who do you want to? pay to see play this great game and I think we all got our money's worth with number four on the weekend as you do most nights with Tom Schreiber um, and Lyle Thompson was worth the price of admission I'd pay to watch him play uh, the other one is who would you take first on your team and you know I guess that debate you know rolls out different platforms whether you're talking field across or whether you're talking box across so those arguments I can have when you ask me who the best player in the world is I don't know there's so many things that go into it I just don't really like engaging in that debate but I know there's certainly players that I don't want to miss when they come to town to watch them play. Um, and there's players, you know, that can just simply change the way the game's going to look. And that's not something everybody can do. There's been a lot of great players. But uh, to have somebody that you'd pay to watch play, somebody that you'd want to start a franchise with, somebody that makes his or her players better, and somebody that wins, to me that's the best player in the world. I mean, you got to win. You know, and you've got to do a great job of bringing everybody else on your team around with you. So those are those are things I've always believed in. I mean, nobody in their right mind would look at Josh Sanderson and have ever considered him the best player in the world just physically looking at him. And he, you know, he didn't really play field lacrosse, but there was a a time period in the NLL where in the summer game where he was, you know, far and away the best player in the game. So it's a hard argument to have. Certainly wouldn't wouldn't take anything away from Tom Schreiber. He's pretty good at whatever he does. So, you know. I'd love to have the debate, I guess. I just, you got to give me a set of rules that we're going by. All right. Well, maybe we'll define those as uh, the season goes along here on the podcast because I feel like a lot of times, too, there's a little bit of flavor of the week associated with that and some recency bias, you know, where, you know, a guy could be red hot here at the start of the season. And it's like, you know, because we talk about if we're if we're going to talk about it, Right now, if we're throwing Matthews, Lyle Thompson, and Tom Schreiber maybe in that bucket as maybe the top three guys right now, you know, one guy is going to be real hot here, and it's going to be one of those situations where, oh, Mark Matthews, how can you look what he's doing? How can you argue with him? He's got 50 points in the first three games of the season, right? And then next thing you know, Lyle gets hot, and then Tom. And it's like, and that's what I think is the beauty of, of where the game is right now is the elite players 
are really, really good, like really good. And there's a lot of guys, like you say, that are worth the price of admission. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I've always admired about Lyle is he can do it all. I mean, he, he will go on a one-man ride and take the ball away from you. He will go back and play defense. His motor never, ever stops. Yeah. And he scores highlight real goals. He takes a beating. So all the things that I wanted to be when I played, the things that I probably hold in higher regard than other people that didn't play the way. Yeah. I wasn't a speed guy. I love watching guys score gorgeous goals. But I also liked knowing that somebody had to pay the price to make you know themselves and their teammates better and man there, there's no box that gets unchecked with Lyle Thompson and it's he really is amazing to watch play he has such a good feel for the game and you know when he doesn't have the ball you just walk in watch him work tirelessly to get his teammates open it it doesn't end if you're if you're if you're coaching a young player today you just literally have to say let's go to the game and watch number four play and that's it. You don't really have to say another word. He does everything right. So he was in town. Let's talk about him. And, and when Matthews gets his, his turn and, you know, Dixon and these other guys get their turn coming to town, we'll, we'll have the same conversation. But, um, man, he's good. And uh, he's fun to watch. Next thing on the agenda here, um, Cody Jamison scored an empty net goal on the weekend uh, against Philadelphia. And it was uh, – you know, I think there was some debate about it. Uh, I know there was a few players spoke up on Twitter about it, um, including Cody. Um, I don't really want to debate the the goal necessarily. I mean, feel free to chime in if you've got your thought on it. But do you think there's a point in time when and this is what I've talked to about a few, with a few people around here? Is you know we get into a situation where I think a lot of defense is now shot blocking is so important, right? And you've got guys stepping up, blocking shots with not a lot of a, equipment on in their upper body um you know blocking 80 to 100 mile an hour shots and you had a situation there where you had i think it was chet Kinesny was in that so to speak for philly guarding the open net with probably not a lot of equipment on and um i guess my first question is with regard to um really the player safety factor here and the guy standing in net with no equipment trying to stop a, a shot i mean you see how much equipment a goaltender wears in the box across game and yet you've got you know a situation there where do you just automatically award a goal in a situation that in light of player safety is this something to maybe start to think about to potentially be proactive in this situation and then in turn I feel like there is the shot blocking argument that's going on maybe a little bit too is that these guys are throwing their bodies out on the line anyways you know in these situations Let's let's back it up a bit and start right. from scratch here. First of all, Chet should have known Cody was going high short side. <laughs> so that's on Chet for not having okay. done his homework. All um, right. <laughs> look, you said it. There is no argument. Uh, Rochester has five guys playing shot blocking defense every shift. They have for years. Uh, it's it's not something I'm a big fan of because I I just don't understand why with this amount of equipment on you'd ask people to stand in front of shots and I think what it's done is a lot of players won't shoot it and you say wow well, somebody's standing in the lane I can't shoot that ball but you know they're kind of playing on your on your common nature yeah and like you know if I shoot that ball like, there's a lot of bad things that could happen because somebody's standing right there yeah. and it doesn't take much we've been down this road before in lacrosse where somebody takes one where they shouldn't it can do some serious damage so I don't really like it I haven't liked it for some time because I think like I said it's just playing on somebody's human nature to say I I'm pulling that out 
and then you never end up shooting the ball because there's five guys standing there and why would I want to shoot it at one of those guys so I haven't been a big fan of that so if you're going to argue that you know Cody shouldn't have shot the ball hard because Chad was standing there I think that argument falls on deaf ears because the way this game has changed more so in the last five years is the way defenses um, some defenses have become willing to stand in front of shots not only in dire dire straight but as a rule on five on five defense and if you watch the two crease guys on the rochester defense this is essentially where they're standing and taking half the net away from you so um i think that you're right that argument's out the window you can't blame cody for shooting the ball hard Uh, that's because there are defenses that play that way so do i think they should allow a free goal i don't something well no not unless they're going to take shot blockers out of the game yeah you know um uh, a semi-zone defense with five guys standing in the way, you know, there's just a likely chance of somebody getting hit there than they would yeah. on that breakaway. So I don't think you can award a goal there. Um, but I think it's going to be something player safety is going to have to look at at one of these days. So, you know, uh, it's not something that would have happened in the past because I would imagine most players would have said, no, thank you. I don't, I'm not standing there. I'm going to go play defense. I don't want to yeah. get hit with the ball. But times seem to have changed. And, you know, one defense in particular in this league is built around that. So yeah. uh, if you're going to change player safety, you got to start with the defensive positions of players and then kind of move in. But you don't want to ever see anybody get hit, and it's happening more and more often. So. Yeah, and, and that's where I kind of had, the, I guess, the debate with myself too about, like you're saying, the, the shot blocking, you know, these guys – they kind of have that mentality that they're going to get in front of that shot anyways, and it, it probably doesn't click that, you know, you're in a bit of a bit of a different situation when you're now playing goalie with no equipment, right? And, and you know, there's, I guess, a little bit of the field lacrosse angle, I feel like, started to factor into my head where those goalies aren't wearing a ton more, but at least they've got a belly pad of some kind on, right? Um, but I, I just thought that this was one of those things where it could be a proactive thing. It's a small thing, but maybe it is time when at the referee's discretion, guys wide open in front of that net like that. I mean, a lot of guys will, I think, probably just bounce one in. Uh, in well, you'd hate to be the guy that gets stopped on one of those. Let exactly, me tell you that. Exactly right, and and if it's at a key moment in the game where it can and where it can seal the game, um, for sure, you want to make sure that ball gets in the net, but. I just thought it, in that situation, if the referee's blowing down the play and saying, putting his arms up and saying, we got a goal for the sake of the player's safety, I don't, see I don't really hate it. Yeah, I, I no. really don't because how many times is somebody making a save in that situation? Anyways, pretty rare. You do see it, but. Not often. You're yeah. right. But, the, you know, the what ifs, I guess, travel yeah. in. But I, I'm with you. I, look, at the end of the day, if there's a way to make the game safer, you roll with it yeah. and that's probably something they'll look at but like i said i don't fault Col- cody for doing it i don't fault chet for getting a net no i, mean, I don't I'd, fault I'd anybody done... in that situation that's where i guess again back to my argument of like let's take that out of their hands yep not right? a bad let's idea let's not make cody rip that ball at 80 miles an hour 90 miles an hour to make sure he scores and let's not make chet stand in the net and have to potentially you don't want to say it but put his life on the line right right you know and uh Let's just take that out and say the game's over anyways. At that point, he's probably scoring. Let's, you know, diffuse things like a potential line brawl because that's, I think, the other thing. People are sitting there going, well, Cody does that, and, and where where's the guy grabbing him right afterwards? Like, why, why didn't something happen? And, well, again, there's another situation you can diffuse that because, like, like you said, you, you're not faulting either player for what they did in that situation whatsoever. So Yeah, it could certainly, it, like you said, if something had escalated from that, we'd be dealing yeah. with it today or the league would be dealing with it. So you're right, taking that stuff yeah. out, I'm sure. But, 
the guy that was probably going to grab him happened to be in net at the time. <laughs> this is true. He already got in one in the first game there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I imagine it was going through his mind. He just what just happened? <laughs> 85 mile an hour bomb just over my left shoulder. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah, but I, I could see it being safer. But, you know, if they're going to go down that road, there's a lot of different roads they got to look at going down as well. You threw the name uh, Curtis Dixon there as one of the top players uh, in the league. But uh, on the topic of – we won't go, obviously, too far into the CBA. We're done with it. It's in the past. However, I think a slight fallout of that has been some guys that have held out here in the beginning of the season. And some guys have missed games, which um, – you know, I think there was always the old joke that a few guys might hold out until there was about one week left in training camp, so they only had to go to training camp for one week. But um, in this case, people are missing games and missing paychecks here. Is this something – is this a, you know, a byproduct, side effect, whatever you want to call it, of the CBA negotiations and, and whatnot and some guys digging their heels in? Or do you see this as potentially a, a, a trend that could develop, is that some more guys might uh, – dig their heels in to say, you know, I, I want what what they think is theirs kind of thing? Well, that's a good question. I don't know the answer to it because I don't know what he's holding out for or what he's hoping to get or what he's not getting now. Yeah. So without knowing those things, I don't know. You know, on the topic of the CBA, um, I feel like year in and year out when this happens, everybody's at fault. They wait to the last minute. Uh, neither side really seemed to be interested in negotiating a deal that worked. And when that happens, obviously it costs us two weeks this year. We seem to be getting those back. So it's not the end of the world, but um, the whole idea of of, uh, negotiating in good faith, I'm just not quite sure that that's happening. So, you know, we're going to mark my words. If nothing changes, you'll be right back in this situation whenever this one expires. Yeah. And I've been through, I think I went through four, and they were all the exact same. So I think something has to change there. Like these negotiations need to start earlier. Both sides are to blame. And I think they need to find something that ties the two together in terms of growth and, and what reality actually looks like. You know, is, is this a byproduct now of having players hold out? I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I can't put myself in his shoes, so I can't comment one way or the other. Uh, he's an important player in this league. He's a really important player to Calgary. Uh, you know how it is, though. You move on without him. If you're the franchise and the players are probably, you know, caught in the middle of trying to, you know, sit on both sides, trying to get him back, but understanding that he's got to fight for what he thinks is right. So I can see it happening more and more often. If it's a leverage situation and everybody gets what they want, then why wouldn't you? Now, if this is something that drags out the whole season, I don't know if that's worth it to him. That's up to him. And well, we should say he's not the only guy still, no. you know, around the league. So, you know, we don't want to. Who else is still holding out? Well, we've still got Westberg, obviously, in Calgary as well. Uh, Kevin Crowley is still holding out. Uh, Church signed, I guess, just before uh, the season got going. So there, there's been some guys, right? And some guys that went a little bit deeper, I think, into camp than had previously uh, gone. But, um, you know, this. This seems to happen in all sports in terms of CBA negotiations um, going to the last minute or, you know, we've seen in the NHL a couple times here in the last 15 years where we've had uh, portions, you know, a full season in one case and then a portion of another season canceled. So um, while I think there are aspects of it the same, there are so many that are different and that, you know, the money's just not the same. I mean, that's the black and white of it all too, right? And like you're saying with – 
things needing to be tied to growth, right? And what is going to help grow the game? What is what is going to help grow the game? Because we've all been, wow. <laughs> as much as we, we say it and we throw that hashtag out there, grow the game, you know, sometimes that's where it ends with a lot of people, unfortunately, is I think they they say it and then it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? What what do you what do you do? What is, what is the answer? What do you how do you grow the game? And and that's probably the bigger question more so than I think that conversation's right? for another day. Yeah, for you for and sure. I for sure. But as far as you know, let's use Curtis or uh, Wes as an example. All they can do to grow the game is be spectacular players for their franchise and be rewarded accordingly. So, um, I, again, without having known what it is, but I, I mean, you're limited as to what you can make. I have to assume most of this is done as you know negotiating is what's over and above if i understand the agreement the way i think i do i think you can make x amount of dollars and i would assume that you know curtis is near the high end of that if not already there Mm -hmm. it's probably a negotiation of what's over and above how you know what what else is there so you know i don't know and it's a bit of a new landscape even though you know luxury tax has been around for you know a few years it is a bit of a new landscape i think for everyone you know, in terms of what additional promotional dollars can be earned and, and other, you know, camp exemptions and all these kind of stuff. It's it's still kind of new. And I think everybody's still negotiating internally almost as to how each franchise wants to approach it, right? And, and the, there's not a cookie-cutter mold because, you know, you don't have a hard cap. You have luxury tax thresholds, right? And if you do want to go bananas and... Well, and right, you've got that opportunity to do that as an owner. I think the the tricky area right now is that there's a couple of new owners in the league, and um, you know maybe that skews things a little bit. And it's a small league; everybody hears what everybody's making. And if there were a few things out there that maybe you thought, "Oh well, this is my opportunity. I'm going to go get me mine," then you take it, I guess. And, yeah. But you know, having new owners that are eager to put good products on the floor, sometimes they tend to overspend. And if they're overspending, you know, it doesn't take long for that word to travel through and say, well, I'm a franchise player here in Calgary. I, this is what I'm hearing. Yeah. You know, hang on a second. If this is the case, if this is the new standard across the board, then, well, this is where I want to be. So, you know, there's some mitigating factors that are new this year that have happened in the past when when uh, new owners come in and maybe don't have the same concept of spending that some owners that have been here for a while do and that always changes things and that could be a byproduct of that it could be a byproduct of many things you, you just don't know but um i don't know those things will sort themselves out as long as calgary keeps winning i don't imagine anything will bend but yeah there'll come a time where both sides know they need him back and they need best back and whoever else is holding out the teams need him but I guess if you don't want to get into a situation where you just spend, 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 you got to draw the line somewhere. Once you draw that line, if you go over it, you know, then you're going over it next year with yeah. four guys. So Absolutely. owners aren't stupid. You know, GMs aren't stupid. They've all got, you know, they got a model they got to keep. So uh, I guess here's to hoping it works out. Well, the good news in all this is that the Toronto Rock play Friday night at Scotiabank Arena against the Philadelphia Wings. First uh, look for Toronto fans, uh, in person anyways, at the Philadelphia Wings. Brett Hickey will be back in town, former member of the Toronto Rock. He was the member of the Rock that was uh, plucked off the uh, Rock roster that was left uh, unprotected in the expansion draft. So this will be the uh, welcome home for number 11, Brett Hickey, on Friday night. The only 50-goal scorer 
in Toronto Rock franchise history. Yeah, welcome him back with with open arms. He was a great player for the Rock. He was great. Uh, he was great for this franchise. I'm sure he'll be chomping at the bit to do some damage, like Jamie alluded to. But let's give him a warm welcome, then let's roll over on him <laughs> right away. Right. And uh, you know, I, I look at it. This is a big game for somebody like Danny Littner too. I look at it from from the other perspective and say, you know, Danny and him were battling for floor time. Yeah. You know, for years, and that job has been given to Danny now, and without putting. You know, added pressure to Dan. I'd love to see him go out and have a game and answer the bell as well. Yeah, and it kind of almost feels like it's about that time when Dan Lindner has a three or four goal night. Anyway, absolutely. That's yeah. let's go out and get a win, get this ship turned straight, and uh, you know, not just because it's a it's a new franchise, but let's go and get a win because we're at home and let's let's get the good vibe moving forward here. So, if you would like to come down and see that game on Friday night, obviously, great seats are still available. TorontoRock.com slash tickets is where you can find those, or you can give us a call, 416-596-3075, and speak to any one of our account reps that are uh, standing by for your call Monday to Friday from 9 to 5. Of course, also remember that uh, the ticket office here at the track uh, kind of Completely moves down to Scotiabank Arena around 3.30 on Friday afternoon. So if you're looking for somebody here after that time, they will not be here. But you can, of course, get your tickets directly at the box office at Scotiabank Arena pretty well at any time. And especially on Friday, leading right up to the game on game day. We've also uh, relaunched the four-game pack here this week. It was the home opener plus three other games of your choice. It's now Fan Appreciation Night on Friday, April 12th, plus three other games of your choice. You can check that out at... Uh, torontorock.com slash four game pack everything's on the website and also prorated season tickets are available this week and then they will be available as well leading up to the january 18th game but then that is it so if you still want to uh, grab season tickets they are still on sale guess where you can find those torontorock.com slash season tickets sounds about right pretty good all right, so uh, there's all the ways to get your tickets. Um, it doesn't matter how you get them. Just make sure you get them for Friday night. 7.30 start, Scotiabank Arena, the Philadelphia Wings. In town, East Division matchup, The Rock looking for a W. Well, Colin, uh, it's been a pleasure. I think this is going to be great this year. Really looking forward to uh, getting in-depth on a lot of topics with you here on the podcast, and hopefully everybody enjoys listening. Make sure you subscribe on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud. Join us every week here on the pod any final words colin well i've never heard a podcast before so of any like of any of any kind yeah so i have to uh i'll have to do my part and listen to one maybe it'll be this one all right (laughs) thanks for having me mike i appreciate it i'm looking forward to next week all righty in the meantime and in between time that's it another edition of toronto rock total access is over and done with for colin doyle i'm mike hancock we will see you at the rink on friday night for the wings in the rock at scotia bank arena